The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It is Thursday, November 2nd, and this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I'm your co-host, John Sheeran. My co-host, Anthony Kazenza, is working through some issues at the moment, but we are here for the second time this week. Going to break down this upcoming Sunday night football matchup with the Cincinnati Bengals, and there's there's our boy, AC. How you doing, man? Hello! <laughs> it's the Orange and Black Insider. We're going to talk about the huge, 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 huge matchup between the Cincinnati Bengals as they host the Buffalo Bills. And man, there's going to be a lot of emotion in this one, John, for a variety of reasons. I think there's been a lot of kind of chirping, and I know all the, uh, you know the the Bills players have held on to a lot of different things um, over the course of you know ten months. Uh, and also, of course, um, we cannot forget what happened uh, on the primetime game last time these two teams were in Cincinnati. So there's just priming up to be a lot of emotion um hopefully a good game in general but uh an interesting one two teams that have shown a lot but have also shown a couple of struggles this year too right you have a team in the Bengals who are finding their stride in the past few weeks and the bills are kind of on this little bills roller coaster in the past four weeks where they're two and two but man just just talking about the recent history now between these two it used to just be kind of this friendly brotherhood of two teams who maybe would, would share some players and would share some great sentiment specifically with Andy Dalton sending the bills to the playoffs for the first time back in 2017. But the past two games have just brought in so much complexion and maybe complications with both, with both teams. And now I don't, I don't really know what the vibe is anymore. Obviously, you know, when you beat a team in the playoffs and then you face them the year later, there's going to be a lot of writing on the team looking to, for vengeance and everything. But, you know, I, I think both sides have sort of an edge to them in terms of just facing the other opponent. And that's that's why they scheduled this game for the bright lights. Yeah, Antonio, you forget that friendship mess crush them from our live Facebook chat. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of history here. Uh, and not, and a lot of it actually took place last week, um, where not last year, not last week, where the Bengals and the Bills, you know, just kind of their their paths just crossed in a lot of different weird ways last year. Obviously, there's a lot of history, both you know, going back to the Jim Kelly Boomer Esiason days, and then um, Ryan Fitzpatrick played for the Bills as well as the Bengals. So there's a lot of divergent paths here, um, and and convergent paths, I guess, too. So, um, and then of course I was reminded again this week, I was on a, um, a Rochester radio show talking about the game and I was reminded of course of the old Andy Dalton, Tyler Boyd, uh, play from a few years ago that got them into the, got the bills into the playoffs for the first time in like 17 years. I think it was. So 
uh, a lot of history here. Um, we're going to talk about the, we may be joined by a special guest to help us preview. We're, we're waiting to hear back, but um, let's talk about this because we, we earlier this week, we talked about the, the trade deadline and we hinted at the fact that the Bengals not making a move, not swinging a trade for a tight end, although they sh- maybe should have, or very well could have for a low premium. Um, it, it may have meant Tanner Hudson being elevated to the team and that's the direction they were going. Well, lo and behold, that's what happened. Uh, it happened on Wednesday and that was the move the Bengals wanted to make. They wanted to elevate Tanner Hudson and maybe we haven't heard too much about them pursuing or not pursuing trades. We just know that they didn't make one. So, you know, from that standpoint, I guess you go, okay, well now Tanner Hudson is, is your guy. And, um, you know, I don't know if that was the plan all along or if that was the contingency plan for not getting one, but here he is. Well, you would think he's the guy considering they signed into the team and now they have four tight ends on the active roster. Um, they're not going to have four active on game day, I would assume, unless injuries kind of force their hand in that regard. Maybe they will. I have no idea. But th- th- that's that's just the assumption now because you figure something has to evolve. Something has to change. They need to inject some life into the position. And Tanner Hudson, at least in a very, very small sample size, show that show that he can do that. But I guess it is truly kind of an unknown until we kind of see it uh, unfold before us. Um, I, I would imagine that Irv is still practicing with the starters. And I don't know if it's just going to be a clean swap in, swap out for one of the other. So maybe this is just a, a thing where because... Tanner Hudson, his entire production this year has come when Irv Smith has been injured. Like, he missed two games with a hamstring injury. Then he came back against the Cardinals, and Hudson was on the practice squad ever since. So that's the biggest thing for me is, like, is is this transition going to happen immediately? Is there no transition at all? Are they going to try to symbiotically play together and just be utilized in different situations in the passing game? Whatever the case may be, I don't think we have a clear answer as of yet. But you're right. The fact that they did nothing, at least they didn't swing for any tight end at the trade deadline. And then they called up um, Hudson, not as an elevation, but as actually signing him off the, off the practice squad. That That's a fair assumption to make, but we just don't know how it's, it's all going to transpire over the next couple of weeks. So how, do you see him integrating pretty much immediately right now? I mean, uh, uh, in, and in this game, the last time the Bengals had a primetime game, he was in it and he <laughs> this year and he made a, a few plays there. So. Do you do you think that you know this is a player that they just are gonna have there and you know it's maybe just for this week and this this week's game plan, or is this kind of not only maybe shine this week, but uh moving forward, he may be the guy that they rely on in, in a lot of passing situations? Yeah, I that's I, I'm I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I think the best prediction would just be they they'll both play at least somewhat on Sunday night, maybe Irv will play more and I think they'll both get different opportunities. Now, granted the opportunities are pretty limited for tight ends in this offense, but we don't know how that changes once they have someone they feel like they can actually rely on and is consistent and competent in some of the areas where they've been lacking in at least this year. So I don't know. I would imagine that he's, he's at least active for Sunday night and that would, potentially means maybe Mitchell Wilcox doesn't get active or maybe they go short someplace else. It's just weird for this offense specifically to have four tight ends uh, dressing regardless of their special teams impact or not. So if he's on the, if he's on the roster now that that means that they clearly value him enough to, to, you know, prevent him from being signed off to another team off the practice squad and considering, you know, the obvious, they have no production out of that position. They have to give him at least a chance on, on Sunday night for sure. Well, we're going to talk about the injury report in just a second, but one thing is for sure that the Bills are at least at cornerback hurting. Um, uh, you know, they they're they're main the top corner is out for the year, and then they just put Kyir Elam, a guy that the Bengals who you know supposedly were maybe targeting, or that was a lot a, a draft a mock draft frequent pick to the Bengals uh, a year ago, and that did not take place so he has now been placed on ir kair elam has as well so you know obviously you know those are the guys tasked with mostly covering the wide receivers but this is where you kind of say maybe the Bengals with this move with tanner hudson um a depleted secondary for 
the Buffalo Bills, maybe this is where they say, you know, this is this is an opportunity where we can be really pass happy this week and find a lot of opportunities through the air. Right. I mean, when they when they faced the Bills last year, their defense was considerably better. I think they had a more consistent pass rush. Fortunately for the Bengals in this case, like they didn't have to face you know, the full force of Von Miller. He got hurt at the end of last year. Von Miller at least is healthy now, but he's not like he's a rotational guy at best right now. I think he's still not quite a hundred percent, which is why he's not getting a ton of opportunities, but he's still there and he's still kind of making an impact. You know, it's just when you're 35 years old and you rely so much on your knees to bend around the edge have so much wear and tear like that, that's gotta be tough on him, but you're right. Like the cornerbacks right now are, are Dane Jackson and Christian Benford. You know, two guys who maybe have good weeks here and there, but I don't know how much that you can rely on them on a week to week basis. The key, though, and this is always brought up when the Bengals talk about the Bills, is that their safeties are still strong. Like Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, two veterans of the game, two very interchangeable pieces as well. And just like the Bengals had Jesse Bates and Von Bell, they established that relationship for years. They communicated well and they always knew where to be. That's pretty much the same as, as it goes for Hyde and Poyer. So in terms of keeping the cap, on you know the Bengals offense I think the Bills will be fine there but there's definitely chances um on the perimeter for one-on-one matchups with the receivers and specifically the safeties though like you you have to think that you know they're going to be keyed in on the Bengals tight ends and if if Tanner Hudson's out there that seems to me like a key that it's going to be a passing play so yeah like I think the Bills will be ready but unfortunately like you said they're just shorthanded at that very important position they are, and I, I know they have very capable safeties, very, very good players, but it just does make their roles, their duties a little bit more difficult that, you know, with, with the top corners out, you know, I mean, they just got to, the, the, their margin for error is is slimmer with the, with the you know, top corners being out. So um, at any rate, we're going to get you up to date on the injury report before we, we kind of start previewing this game and talking about a number of different things. Um, some good news for both teams uh, in terms of star players coming back to practice, John. Uh, the the Bills got back Josh Allen, who uh, is nursing a shoulder issue, and the Bengals got back Trey Hendrickson, both guys sat out Wednesday's practice, but Thursday they did practice. Hendrickson had the ankle issue that um, we talked about on Tuesday where it was kind of a scary situation. He was down on the ground for a little while, uh, but ended up coming back and playing like the maniac he is against the 49ers. Yeah, it was interesting to me. Like He's officially listed with a foot injury, and it it seemed like his ankle was the thing that got stepped on. So it's just clearly in that general area. I guess we don't have a clear definition of what the actual injury is but uh head coach zach taylor did say that it wasn't something that he expected would keep him out of this game he got wednesday off as like an extra rest day thursday is the is typically the practice where they kind of go the hardest so so long as he's participating then which he was he was limited on thursday he's probably probably on track to end up playing unfortunately the mm-hmm. same probably can't be said with josh tupo and tyson anderson they both missed uh both wednesday and thursday they seem to be heading towards the inactive list. But other good news, though, Orlando Brown, he was limited. They're just managing his groin injury. He's going to be fine. He played well against San Fran. Joe Mixon showed up with a chest injury, which was interesting. I know these things are kind of random, and they kind of pop up when we don't really notice it during the game, but he was full as a full participant. Akeem Davis Gaither, though, he's been out for, I think, the past four weeks with a knee injury. They didn't place him on IR because they didn't expect the injury to be this serious, even though he could have been on IR for the past four weeks, and then they could have just activated him now. But he was limited in practice. So these are the first few times that he's practiced since, I think, week three. So I don't know if it's too early to say that he's on track to play, considering he hasn't had a full practice yet. Maybe he practices full on a Friday. But the Bengals are still five deep at linebacker. Um, The Bills are not typically a team that go heavy. I wouldn't expect more than five linebackers to be active anyways. So this may be just one more rest week for Davis Gaither. Maybe he does play and maybe, or maybe he's active and he, and he hardly plays. Maybe he's just on special teams, whatever the case may be pretty good health so far, aside from maybe Tupo and Anderson. Tupo is a name we just haven't talked about really at all this year. So, uh, and he's been a guy that, you know, especially in those AFC North games, he's kind of been key i know he's made some big plays in the past against the ravens and whatnot so um you know maybe down the stretch he becomes a a, a 
a little bit more of a featured player, an important player. But yeah, I mean, did not practice. He's trending to not play, as you said. I, I'm really interested to see what Akeem, what they will do with Akeem Davis Gaither once he's back. And these are these are again because Davis Gaither. I mean, he does a little bit of everything. He's been playing more in space as a pro. But if you remember in college, he would he he had some pass rush ability, and he can do a lot of different things. So again, this is one of those players that you're getting back, not talked about a lot. But maybe this is also where the Bengals said, hey, you know, this is another piece coming back to the defense. So maybe we don't need to swing another trade for whatever it may be that we feel or, or that some of us feel that's lacking there. You're getting this guy back and then you elevate Tanner Hudson and then those guys kind of get thrust into the conversation of, well, maybe this is why trades were not made because they've got these guys waiting in the wings. Yeah, it's a lot of faith in those guys. But you know, Davis, <laughs> Davis Gaither has been he's been here for a minute. Um he was drafted with Logan Wilson and Marcus Bailey in the 2020 class. And I, I'm impressed because special teams was a big issue for them last year. And he's one of their big special team staples. And he remains to be. And he hasn't played in the past four weeks. And there haven't been a lot of miscues in terms of punt coverage, kick coverage. So they've done a good job of compensating um, for him not being out there. And on, on defense, you're right. Like he's barely been a coverage guy for them. And he's been an asset in that regard. He used to just be the extra linebacker that they would put on the field to face Lamar Jackson. And now he's, his role has kind of evolved to being more of that drop back guy in, in those shallow zones. And I think he has at least two interceptions that I can think of with the past couple of years. So he's been valuable there. And that could be, you're right. Like if he does play it this week, and Josh Allen gets a little too careless, which sometimes he does. He thinks that mm-hmm. he can fit into, into windows that end up not being there. There could be a situation where Davis Gaither ends up being where Allen doesn't expect, and he makes a game-changing play. But we're allowed to see if he ends up being played or ends up playing at all. Because, honestly, you have Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson playing out of their minds right now, and they're yep. rarely coming off the field, and they're just doing a little bit of everything. And I think they have to feel really good about that position group right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. As I mentioned, Josh Allen, the shoulder, the throwing shoulder, didn't practice Wednesday and uh, went full Thursday. One of those things where, remember last year he had was it the elbow issue where it was yeah. kind of a, a ligament strain that lingered along for a long time? So, you know, you never know how this is going to affect him in the cold throwing shoulder. Don't know, but did go full practice. So there's pretty much no way he's not going to play. Damar Hamlin, of all people, shows up on the injury report this week. Did not practice on Wednesday with an illness, but went full Thursday. I think if that's the reported illness and he went full on Thursday based on the storyline that would take place on Sunday night. I find it very hard to believe he would not be on the field in some capacity um, unless something else happens there. Quentin Morris back up tight end has an ankle injury, went limited, but, and then full on Thursday, a little bit thin at the linebacker group for the Buffalo bills, even though they don't have a ton of injuries reported here. So you got a thin group at, at cornerback because of the, the two injuries. Um, and then, uh, you've to the starters and then you've got uh Balin Spencer linebacker hamstring didn't practice both days and then AJ Klein an outside linebacker back injury um was not noted on Wednesday it looks like but did not practice Thursday so a little bit a little bit thin potentially uh at, at a couple of defensive position groups for the Bills you can, you can trace a lot of the Bills problems on defense right now 
back to week five when Matt Milano, their star linebacker, mm-hmm. he suffered a season-ending leg injury. And the Bills' defense, I think, is like tw- they're 29th in EPA per play since then, specifically 27th against the pass. So Klein has had to step up. He's 32 years old now, and he's basically taking his his spot there at linebacker. And you know the results just haven't they haven't really been the same. And I think also in that Jaguars game over in London, which is the game that where Milano was injured, DeQuan Jones was also hurt. And I think he's out for the year as well, which is kind of why. The Bills have been kind of busy uh, adding some notable veterans this week. They signed Leonard Fournette to the practice squad, so he might be elevated for this game. They traded for Razul Douglas, who's going to help out a cornerback because they do need help at cornerback. And they signed Linval Joseph today to like a $3.5 million deal. Like in the middle of the season, um, I don't know if like, I mean, he's obviously well-rested considering he hasn't played or practiced at all this year. And this is clearly just like, oh, I'm going to sign to a contender to help him out get to the Super Bowl. It's, it's quite a bit of dough for only 10 weeks left in the regular season, so it wouldn't shock me if he's just out there, kind of like a quid in Spain situation where they just put him in with, without any practice time. Um, they need him, though, because defensive tackle has been kind of a weakness for them. And just just in general, that defense is just really shaky because they've had a lot of uh, they've had to overcome a lot of adversity there. I will say with DeMar Hamlin, he's only played in one game this year and he was just on special teams a few weeks ago. So if he is active, maybe he does get some snaps just because it would be a great moment. But I'm not I'm not quite expecting him to be much of an impact on defense. Yeah, I'm looking at the Bills, uh, you know, depth chart roster and and those on injured reserve. You mentioned a couple names and there is a lot of, you know, there, there's some decent names on here, you know, well-known names that are on their uh, injured reserve list, unfortunately for them. Kair Elam, like, like we mentioned, the corner. Damian Harris, the running back. Uh, Daquan Jones, you mentioned him. Matt Milano, the linebacker. And then, uh, you know, they actually are showing Balen Spector, who we have on here, on the injury uh, injured reserve list. And then, of course, Tredavious White, the other corner. So they are... Uh, you know, they're having some some problems here with injuries. Um, that was noted, obviously, on that uh, radio show that I went on in the fan in Rochester, um, but that they were kind of keeping things together with, uh, you know, duct tape, bubble gum, the whole thing. But uh, some opportunities potentially for the Bengals to exploit. And on the offensive side of the ball, Dawson Knox has not had a great year, but he's also hurt right now. I think he was he was declared out for like two weeks last week so last week against the bucks that was the thursday night game you had dalton kincaid you know the Kyrie elam dalton kincaid a lot of a lot of popular mock draft selections for bengals fans they're now both on the buffalo bills and i think kincaid found the end zone for the first time in his career last year so he'll be starting in dawson knox's place and knox is obviously when he's at his best he's a great red zone target for josh allen and there's not a lot of tape on dalton kincaid at least as an nfl player so that that's a new wrinkle i think for the bills offense Obviously, we know about Stefan Diggs and his connection with with Josh Allen, but I'm I'm curious to see how much of that scouting that the Bengals did for Dalton Kincaid. I'm sure that he was in the conversation at, at that juncture with 20th, 28th overall. I'm curious how that translates to him, to them, at least game plan for him now, considering he's in kind of a larger role. Well, that is the injury report going into this one. Um, thankfully, at least on the Bengals side, I mean, there's some... There's some big names on their injury report, but um, it appears that most of their players are uh, trending towards playing and knock on wood. They've been pretty healthy, at least healthier than the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you know, they've been unfortunately struck by the injury bug this year, as we've mentioned. So um, we're going to get to keys. We're going to talk about this matchup and things we are looking for in just a second. But I want to do a couple of things, a couple of things before we get to that number one is to remind folks of course about subscribing and listening to the show and you can do that on a number of different platforms uh with it being on youtube Uh, you may be watching us on youtube right now and that link to subscribe there's a show link underneath john with the cincy jungle icon right around in that bottom corner there go click that to to subscribe click the bell to be notified when new content is arriving when it's up when we go live all that kind of stuff and then of course give a thumbs up to the videos that helps us out we appreciate that if you can and of course if you like the audio side of things whether it's on your commute or whatever it may be 
We are on all kinds of different platforms. This show and all of the ones on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel are on your favorite audio streamer, whether that's Google, iTunes, Spotify, our iHeartRadio. Um, like I said, I think we're on Amazon Music now, so we're on all the major ones. Check it out. The Cincy Jungle Bengals podcast channel, our show, the Orange and Black Insider, talking football with Bengal Jim and friends, three and out with Jason and Kevin, and Coach Speak and Chalk Talk with the coach, Matt Minnick, all on there. We appreciate the support. Give that a rating if you would. Five stars if you can, if you feel like it, if you feel so inclined. We appreciate it. So thank you very much for subscribing and supporting not only this show, but the Cincy Jungle podcast channel over many, many years. And if you're new here, welcome. We love we love the newbies. We love the ones who've been around for a while, too. So uh, appreciate all the support you've shown us. The other thing I want to get to, John, is we've got a parlay to talk about this week. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, it's self-admittedly, I am not a overly big sports better. So I want to, uh, you know, put that out there just for the, you know, <laughs> for the sake of putting a disclaimer out there. But this is a parlay that we've got here. And if you're watching us on the video channel, you can see there, there are three picks here, um, uh, you know, totaling four, plus 435. But what, what do you think of these here? There's, there's Joe Burrow rushing yards. And the, the line is set at uh, 14.5. Josh Allen rushing yards. The bar there is set at 26.5. Joe Burrow passing touchdowns, John, over 1.5 in this one. We feel that we're going over on all of those. Um, and, and we talked about, especially when you talk about Joe Burrow's rushing yards, what we saw last week and him and his calf potentially being there. And then, of course, now we talked about two starting corners for the Buffalo Bills being on injured reserve, their issues at linebacker injury issues, so passing touchdowns. And then, oh, by the way, not only how the last year's Monday night game was trending, but also what Burrow was able to do in the snow in Buffalo in the playoff game. That's kind of where we're seeing a little bit of the confidence, at least with the quarterbacks, the Bengals quarterback, and then, of course, Josh Allen doing his thing on the ground, too. Yeah, this is dangerous because I don't really see one that is I would deem not likely to hit. I think Burrow passing for two touchdowns is pretty expected. I think so long as he's protected in the game, he's he's good for at least two. He had two, like you said, in that playoff game. He had three against the 49ers. When he's been healthy and he's been on, he's found the end zone multiple times. I think they, they trust that more than the rushing game kind of closer to the goal line. I don't think he's going to scoot for 43 yards like he did against the 49ers. I think that was more of an indication of, oh, Joe Burrow can run again. We weren't really prepared for this. I think McDermott's going to be more prepared for that. But I think he'll get to 15 rushing yards. So that's like one or two scrambles, and he's, he's due for one of those. The, the key thing here is Josh Allen. Like that was a, That's always a huge talking point when facing the Bills. It's the main. That's one of the main things that makes Allen as valuable as he is. The Bengals just allowed 57 scramble yards from Brock Purdy last week. And Josh Allen is a considerably better, more dangerous runner than Brock Purdy can ever dream to be. I, I think 27 rushing yards will probably hit. If I were to say the one that's not going to hit, it's probably one of these quarterback rushing props. But um, I think Allen's going to play pretty well. So I'll, I'll give him 27. So I, I'm okay. for, for plus 435. It's pretty good. Even with the shoulder. Okay. I like it. I like it. Well, I mean, we're not calling these locks. We're not calling them guarantees, but uh, we feel pretty good about these. And this is kind of a safer board, it looks like, uh, in terms of bets and taking the overs on those. Maybe not a big money maker, but if you add that in with uh, you know some, some other bets that you may make elsewhere, maybe this will be a little bit of icing on the cake for you. So those are our bets that we have there. Once again, we have... Just to, to recap, over 14.5 rushing yards from Joe Burrow, over 26.5 rushing yards from Josh Allen, and over one and a half touchdowns from Joe Burrow. And of course, got to throw the discla disclaimer out there for you. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope and why four six seven three six nine in Connecticut help is available for problems gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly 
on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles 21 and over age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario Canada see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and terms for uh, play and everything there for you and, and of course to go place your bets and please be responsible with your gaming so that is our picks our DraftKings picks this week let's get into uh, this is a good question actually real quick James Holly says how do you score half a TD it's where the line is set so it's that's that's where you you can't you can't break even on that one right yeah. I mean he says how do you score half a TD that's that's why there's that that half touchdown thing um you either you know if he's if he throws one you don't win if he throws two you win and so that's that's where the line is and so that's where the the risk is there thank you Jason that was classy. I feel like that was classy by us uh, getting the, the DraftKings bet in there. We're do we're doing that not every week, but we're doing that through uh, some of the bigger games of the year. So check that out and again go to DraftKings to get your bets in this weekend. All right, John, let's talk about this friendo. Um, a lot. Let's just let's just talk about the emotion part first because this is not only going to be uh, the Bengals at least through their social media are promising an atmosphere. They're trying to do this section striping thing. I'm really curious to see how that's going to work out. Um, aside from that, they're kind of promising at least on the same level, if not even more so, of the fanfare, the electricity, and everything in this game that we saw going into the Monday night game. Unfortunately, that all got over, uh, overshadowed with the scary DeMar Hamlin situation. But this the Bengals at least are promising that that the stadium atmosphere is going to be electric. These two teams, as we mentioned, have a lot of ties. These two teams have a lot of history just in the last ten to twelve months. So there's going to be a high level of emotion and passion in this one. I I struggle to imagine anyone who was there last year or last just this past January who is going to this game is is not going to think about that moment. You know, it's just it's just inevitable. It's the same two teams. It's under the lights. There's obviously high stakes with this. Like this game is our, is going to cut. There's going to be AFC playoff implications with this game, with the ramifications of this game. Um, right now, the Bills are the fifth spot in the AFC playoff picture, and the Bengals are ninth. They've, I think, either neither of these teams. The Bills have like one AFC uh, win right now. It's they're kind of like the Bengals, where like all their most of their wins are from the NFC. So this this game means obviously a ton from a football sense, but there's going to be those those flashbacks. There's going to be those memories, and that's going to be something that I think players on both sides who were there last year are going to have to just kind of power through. And I think fans are going to think that as well. But it's it is really cool. There's only been like four primetime games, not including the playoffs at Paycor Stadium in the past couple of years, and every one of them has kind of seemed like its own special event, whether that's the, the light show or, like, the, the color schemes or Ring of Honor, whatever you want to name it. You know, they've taken advantage of these, albeit pretty limited, opportunities, and they knew that once this game was scheduled, like, they had to make they had to make something special out of it. You know, the, I think the whole point is to recognize what happened, to on, to remember that, to honor it as best as they can, but also to move forward and make this thing its its own thing. You know, I think both teams are going to be wearing slightly different uniforms compared to last time too, so it's not going to look exactly the same. But I think they want to make it as special and as positive as possible because this is this is the marquee game of the week, and all eyes will be on for good reason. There, I, I think you said this quite well that there is for a midseason game. There's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake in terms of playoff implications and really trajectories of each one of these teams. Um, you know, you can look at both of them and you could say there's a couple quality wins here and there, a couple of bad losses here and there as well. And especially with the Bengals having an 0-2 division record to this point, I mean, they need to get as many conference wins, much less division wins that they can. So, I mean, last week they, they beat the Bucks 24 to 18. They lost a game that I think they were down quite a bit to the Patriots, uh, and then the Patriots ended up barely beating them 29-25. Um, 14-9, ugly game against the Giants, lost to the Jags. They did beat the Dolphins earlier in the year, John. Good win for them, 48-20. to But again, that was around the time 
um, one, two, three, four. Yeah, I mean, that's when they had their corners and, and the, you know, many of their players healthy. Um, and so you started to see the backslide a little bit with when the injuries piled up on them. So this is this is a big, big game for many, many reasons. Um, last last week, there's there's kind of two ways to look at things as to how the Bengals defense played. Obviously, they created the big plays. They frustrated Purdy. They they created turnovers and, you know, a couple of sacks and, and that sort of thing. But they did let up a lot of yards to star players. Um, some of it was in garbage time or end of the game when, you know, the, the game was a two possession game or what have you. So I, I guess who, who on the defense has the most pressure on them to continue performing well? Is it maybe the corners because of the, the good wide receiver group uh, for the, for the bills and, and the fact that Iuke and Kittle and others, you know, kind of went off a little bit last week. Is it the members of the secondary, the corners, to have a performance kind of like what they did, especially Camp Taylor Britt, like they did against the Seahawks? Um, or or do you see, again, the defensive line just needing to frustrate, hit, and sack Josh Allen, much like they did in the playoff game? Yeah, it's just a really tall task to, to take on, right? Because Allen is, I mean, he, he can just evade pressure like the best of them, and he can make a lot out of nothing. I... I, I tend to look at Cam Tillerbrit in, in, in these types of games, considering the Bengals had a lot of success shutting down Stefan Diggs in the playoff game last year. And that was mainly, I mean, it was a team effort between Taylor Britt and Eli Apple, but Eli, Eli Apple even had a lot of success against mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs. And that ended up uh, with like a pretty frustrated scene on the, on the Bills sideline. I think Diggs ended up going into the locker room kind of early. And there's a lot of stuff in the off season, some like fake controversy between the two of them. They're, they're firing all cylinders now. Like Diggs is playing on all pro level. I think even Josh Allen is playing better than people give him credit for specifically in the past four weeks, despite the two and two record, he has not put the ball into harm's way. The, the success, maybe the points maybe have not been there, but I don't think it's entirely because he's playing bad. In fact, I think he's playing, I think he's playing really well. I think he's PFF's number one greedy quarterback right now for the entire season. So that, that first game against the the jets, where they lost by a pump return. He was terrible in that game, but I think Bengals fans can kind of attest to a quarterback starting slow and catching his footing as the season goes on. But I do look at Taylor Britt. I, I think he matches up like Diggs is an all-world receiver to me. He's a there's really nothing that he can't really do. But I think he's a guy that you can get your hands on him and you can disrupt some of his routes. If you're able to do that, I think you can impact him. And I think that's where Taylor Britt kind of thrives. He's not as good against the shiftier receivers. You get kind of these free releases and they get schemed open in that sense. The Bills are pretty straightforward with how they, they kind of run their offense and they trust Diggs to create separation against the best cornerbacks. So it's a good challenge for Taylor Britt, but I think he kind of lives for that, just like he lived for going up against DK Metcalf. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if they had him following him for the entire game, just like what we saw a couple weeks ago. I agree. Um, I, I waver back and forth as to who has, you know, who needs to have the bigger performance this week on defense, whether that's that defensive line. Um, I, you know, I, part of me says, well, even though Hendrickson played well with that ankle, having someone else step up there um, and, and in case it worsens, in case, you know, um, the the adrenaline that, that maybe carried him through last game, maybe that's not uh, all the way there at kickoff quite yet or something like that. And, you know, maybe that maybe there's just more pain management that needs to occur since then. Um, I expect him to play. I expect him to play well. But in case, you know, I think part of me says, you know, some the, some of the other cast members on that defensive line are going to need to hit and, and harass Josh Allen because that was a major key to the playoff game last year. Um, but like you said, so was the cornerback play. So I think, you know, again, Cam Taylor, but another one um, and figuring out a solution to Dawson Knox, figuring out where he's not going to be the guy that creates a mismatch. He's not going to be the guy that, that kills you down the seam or in the red zone, finding a way to clamp down on him and the myriad of players they could use in that capacity. I think that's, that's one of the areas on defense. The Bengals really need to be on point. Luckily, Dawson Knox not playing. Uh, it'll, it'll just be. Oh, as, Kincaid. As sorry. That's, that's yeah, what I meant. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Dalton Kincaid. But th- that's, that's There's so many. Thing. It's like that. It's DK. They're both D- DK, well, right? Or Dawson the, Knox, the, Dalton Kincaid. 
they're, they're both white too. I'll give you that one as well. Um, <laughs> now, Kincaid, Kincaid's a weapon. Um, they haven't really, I don't think, unlocked him fully, and I think that's just because he's a rookie. We kind of taken for granted what Sam Laporte is doing with the Lions and how that's been kind of instant for them. So I think Kincaid's eventually going to find his way. Knock on wood in the loudest possible sense. It doesn't seem like there's been like a tight end. That's just, I mean, George Kittle, what, what am I saying? He played really well against the Bengals, but um, I don't know. It, it just, it seems like they, they've done a better job of kind of limiting some of those types of athletes. And I think part of that is because they have this, this diverse group of back seven players that can match up with these guys. So um, I, I know Dax Hill didn't get a ton of opportunities last year in the playoffs but he did have that impressive breakup. I believe it was against Dawson Knox in the end zone. It wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if they had Dax Hill against Dalton K for some of those isolated routes and whatnot. It, it's just tough, though, because when, when Diggs and Allen kind of get going, like that, that's, that's just the train that keeps the offense moving. And they have James Cook, who's been really efficient on the ground. So I think part of it is just getting disrupting that connection early and forcing them to kind of adjust the game kind of goes on because Diggs is eventually going to get his and I'm sure Kincaid will, will find his way to get open a couple of times as well but the, the Bills can so easily just pour down points on you and the Bengals can't let that happen they cannot let that happen and they also they, like you said they kind of they thrive in pushing the snowball down the hill right against a team and but they're also a team that is a, is a victim of that analogy as well. Uh, they can be, and that's, that was evident in that playoff game where, you know, they, they, if, if they kind of get down, you know, it becomes a little bit of a challenge sometimes for them to climb out of a hole if, if things aren't going the best for them. But um, on offense, I, I think it needs to be, I mean, I know Mixon had, you know, five and a half yards per carry last week and all of that. I still think this needs to be a lot of what we saw through five quarters of play last last year uh, it, when these two teams played. And that was pinpoint passing the bills, not having any answers for the Bengals receivers, regardless of weather conditions. Um, I mean, the way, before the Hamlin injury, I, I know a lot's been made of it, but before the Hamlin injury, the Bengals were kind of having their way with the bills on offense. And then, you know, of course they, they kind of ran away with it in the playoff game too. So um I, I think on offense, it's got to be, you know, another Burrow Superman-ish type of, type of performance, and you got to get top performances. It was good to see Tyler Boyd get kind of reintegrated in things last week. It was good to see T. Higgins uh, kind of look more like his old self last week, and I think you need to even build on top of that with those two. Chase is going to be Chase. We know that. Um, and, and really try and exploit the, the, the injuries that they have on defense. I'm I'm been a bit surprised. Like the the Bills' defensive issues are mainly with their secondary, and that's be, and it's led to a lot of issues against the pass. On paper, it it doesn't seem like they have enough guys to stop the run, and I think that's that should have been compounded with both of Jones and Milano being out. But they've been actually better against the run, albeit they've been very average in that regard. But they've been better at least in that uh, sense compared to giving up explosive plays in the passing game last year. Like. Joe Mixon had a phenomenal game and uh, a banged up Bengals offensive line had a phenomenal game displacing that Bills defensive line. And I don't think it's gotten necessarily better. Like I think it, there's, there's still a lot of depth issues like Tim Settle. Um, oh God, the, the other guy, Jordan Phillips, I think is, is still there at defensive tackle. Both those guys have severely underwhelmed. It, it wouldn't shock me if this was kind of a similar type of a game plan where they just, I, I was a really big fan of a lot of their under center concepts that that they ran against the 49ers it wasn't just you know spamming wide zone like they did all in the beginning of last year it was more of those toss sweeps it was more of those misdirections and they they got the 49ers moving in in different directions in a certain ways so it, it wouldn't shock me if, if a similar plan of getting under center more often again would, would kind of occur in this one but also against the 49ers the first two times that the Bengals went under center it was both play action passes and is it was like they weren't they didn't need to set up the run to establish success in that regard so i like what they did against san fran i think they can easily build off that against the bills defense who have very similar issues uh the one areas obviously the, the areas that are concerning i think are still on the edge because you have both aj epineza greg rousseau who are basically built like the same human being they're both like 6'6 260 
both really good matchups for the Bengals tackles, and they've both been really good during these past uh, four or so games, albeit one of them is against the Giants. And they don't really have any offensive linemen to speak of, but if the Bengals offensive line can stack up another game against an impressive defensive line, it'll still allow continue to allow the Bengals offense from just doing exactly what they want to do. And I wouldn't be shocked if it's a very similar game plan to the, to the divisional game from last year. And then you have a healthier and more effective offensive line. But I, you know, all that being said, and I don't want to put the spotlight on one offensive lineman, but when you have an, when, you know, the names you mentioned, Epinesa and you got Ed Oliver. I, I don't, did I hear they have, you know, is Leonard Floyd there too? Uh, he is. You know, they've got, yeah, yeah. It would be very interesting so, if Lil Collins was still here, but he's not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think all of those players across the board there, I, I think the spotlight does shine a little bit on Jonah Williams because he has played pretty well. Uh, for the most part, he hasn't had those big ebbs and flows um, from game to game or, you know, a couple of good games and then one just oh dismal game. And then he kind of strings together some good games again. It's been pretty steady. Um, and so I, I look at him to continue his his play, his level of play at right tackle this week, because I think that's going to be key because last week, um, you know, Burrow was pressured uh, sometimes, but. You know, it was it, it's been a lot cleaner across the board in terms of hits and sacks and pressures and all of that this year as opposed to years the previous years. Um, and when you look at the group that the Bengals trotted out last year in that playoff game as as opposed to this group, you gotta have way more confidence going into Sunday night than you did into into last year's playoff game. No snow, which doesn't necessarily help out the Bengals offensive line in that in that regard. Um, but you're right. It's a matchup that's more even for sure. Let's get to some of these comments, though. If you have one from Andrew Greer, is Charlie Jones back yet? He is not. Uh, he's eligible to come off of IR, but Zach Taylor put that um, to bed this week. Next week is when we could see him back. And we had another super chat from our good friend, Mr. Whisper. We're halfway through the season now. Who was your midseason MVP on offensive and defense so far? Who is bringing their A game? Seems like pretty obvious answers to me, Anthony, but I'll let you go first. Defense has to be Trey Hendrickson. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, he's just been outstanding. Um, there's some other people who could be honorable mentions, but the honorable mentions would be, for me, a peg or two down at least from what Trey Hendrickson has been bringing to that defense. Offense is a little harder for me. Um, you know, I, I think I, I think you could look at a couple of different players. I think it has to be Jamar Chase. Yes. But, um, you know, I, I still think, even though it hasn't been absolutely perfect, I still think the two-for-one upgrade that the Bengals have made at the offensive tackles, bringing in or- Orlando Brown and steadying that left tackle spot a bit, and then Jonah, to his credit, moving front to the other side and steadying that right side, that right tackle spot that the Bengals haven't had an answer for for like a half decade now, um, I, I you know, I think that deserves a mention as well, but it has to be Chase. Chase has been the only really real consistent guy. I mean, Mixon's had some nice games here and there as well, but um, for me, it's it's the really the, the kind of the two stars on both sides of the ball. It's it's Trey Hendrickson and Jamar Chase. Yeah, it's 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 as simple as that. Both guys who I think are going to make the Pro Bowl. The fact that Joe Burrow was as bad as he was in the first four weeks, and Jamar Chase is still on this insane pace. He's on pace for I think. 140 something yeah 140 something catches which would be in the conversation for the most all time in a single season the fact that he's still amongst like the best receivers in terms of just raw production and he had a terrible quarterback for the first four weeks is just a testament to how much he continues to show up regardless like he's by far been the most consistent player on offense and he's been their best and like you said with trey like when when the pass rush shines it's usually because he's out there getting at least six seven pressures a game for sure yeah yeah, who do you have as some honorable mentions there? I think Jonah Williams, like you said, deserves a shout out just just for not knowing how he would translate at that position. But some players do well in contract years, some players don't. He's clearly taking it all, and he's he's been better than he was last year. Sacks be damned! Like I think the pressure numbers that have have improved as well. I think his consistency is more kind of ironed out and I, I want to give honor, honor mention to Dax Hill too like we, we didn't know yeah. for sure how well he would be at safety full time 
but he's been Mr. Kind of doing everything, right? He's been a jack of all trades type of player, and he's been consistently in position as well. And like that's the sign of a player who knows what he's doing and can play confident and fast. So yeah, honor. Yeah, honor I mean you could. Yeah, you can also throw in defense the two linebackers in there too. I mean, there's a there's a lot of names who have made some good plays so far this year. Um, but yeah, they're two stars, I think, for for both of us went out there. Thank you, Mr. Whisper, once again for that. Um, let's get to I don't know, keys and predictions. Um, we talked about, I guess, some key players and and you know who's got the most pressure on them. Uh, what do you how do you see this one playing out, man? I think because we, we could do the whole thing about who has more riding on this game. We can play the whole emotional card and everything. I think it all kind of balances out, to be honest with you. It, it's for as much as the Bills are looking for vengeance here on a, on a multitude of layers. This is still the Bengals who have lost, I think, three games in the past two years in the months of November and December. They haven't lost at home at night since December, like since before December 2020. This is just a situation where... Because I always find myself like I, I always trying to predict where the, where the when the pendulum is going to swing the other way, right? It's why my predictions are like eighty five percent wrong, and this would be a time where like oh well, you know maybe the Bills are going to be fired up, and I think they will. I think we'll see a really good Buffalo team out there on Sunday night with a lot to play for. But I think you have to give credit to the Bengals for just consistently showing up in these spots and also just finding their groove and always showing up to play well against the best teams on their schedule, which is why I think this game is going to be back and forth the entire way might be in like the high twenties. I would say if the Bengals can just limit the bills offense to maybe just digs, if they allow Gabe Davis to go off, if they allow Dalton Kincaid to go off, I think it'll put a lot more stress on the Bengals offense to consistently match that despite the fact that they have a, a defense that's ripe for, you know, picking in that sense. So, with all that said, both teams, lots to play for, a lot of emotions riding high. I think they'll both play extremely well. It'll be by far the, the best game of the week. But I'm not going to say the Bengals cover. They're two-point favorites. I'm going to say 26-24. 26-24 Bengals. Uh, interesting that you you picked the Bengals. Um, are you going to the game? I'm not. But, you know, good teams win, great teams cover. They won't be a great team, I guess, you know. Yeah. <laughs> So I, a lot of people, a lot of, on the Bengals side of things, are very, very confident in the Bengals. I mean, you see these scores here by at least a possession, if not, uh, I mean, you see, you know, three turnovers by Allen, 28-24, uh, 38-27. Uh, there's another one up here, 35-21. I mean, you're seeing a lot 17. of – Yeah, I mean, they're, you're, yeah, 42-17. Um you're seeing a lot of just a lot of confidence and I understand why. And those are some mind blowing stats that you have thrown out in terms of Bengals losses in November, December and the last two years and how they've done in primetime games in, in those months, etc. Josh Allen, as our, as our friend uh, Glenn Goodberry pointed out on Twitter, Josh Allen is five and O on Sunday night football. So that's where there's this tug of war, right? Where there's all this stuff in favor of the Bengals, but then there's a record like that. And I think while you can look back at very recent history and look at this game and say, well, the Bengals are going to just handle it. Um, even if it was a quarter and a half before the DeMar Hamlin injury where they were asserting dominance, or if it was the playoff game, I, I don't see this game like that. And, and I, I, I think there are elements of the Bills, namely their injuries, that could get the game that way. But I think this is going to be a an especially revved up Bills team. Um, I I think though that the Bengals, what they showed last week, where they may be heading as a team, and these are their months. You know, like you said, November, December. These are their months where they really start to make that push. I think they're a little bit healthier. But I think I'm going to go 27-24, um, and it'd be a little bit of a nail-biter. Bengals win this one. So pretty close to, what would you say, 26-24? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm going to go. I'm going to do you one better. And I'm going to say they cover, my friend, 27-24. <laughs> um, so I, I just – I don't see this one being the, you know, the 10-17 point win that we saw in the playoffs, even though that was in the snow and on the road. 
Um, interesting too, and we could maybe talk about this as we get out of here, but interesting too, some of the, the comments that have been fired back and forth uh, this week in terms of that weather game. But uh, that being said, I just, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I see that double digit point victory for the Bengals. It would it would shock me the most if one of these teams came out flat. That, that, that's all I'll say. I think you're going to get the very best of both of these teams, and maybe that maybe that leads to a ten point victory for one of the sides. I don't know. Like games are crazy and they're wacky, but I expect a, a really really good Josh Allen and a really really good Stephon Diggs and a Bills pass rush that's hungry. And in that same vein, I expect a Bengals team that's that's not going to just you know lie down and, and just let it let it happen. But you know it's streaks for the Bengals are almost always brought up by Zach Taylor before the game. I'm sure he, I'm sure he's telling them, yeah, this quarterback's never lost on Sunday night football. We've haven't won on Sunday night football and ha- have, have they ever done it? Honestly? Have- well, what, I think what, what wasn't the, uh, the Ravens playoff game, technically Sunday night football, I guess. I don't know. I, I suppose yeah, it's I mean, like I, a regular season. It's not, um, it's, yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, but one of the, well, like you're right. One of these things has has to give, right? It's just one mm. one. Both these things can't continue, I guess. And yeah, it's just you know, who knows? Yeah. Well, we're gonna get on out of here, and I think one of the things that at least I wanted to bring up as we drop the mic is um, some of that stuff going on, and I, I find it funny a little bit that that supposedly I think it was Tyler Boyd via uh either jeremy roush or joe daneman on on fox 19 i I can't remember exactly because i don't have it in front of me but um there was a video clip out there that uh he was talking i think it was tyler boy talking about how he had heard from many of the bills players that they thought they would have won if it wasn't in the snow and it's like well that's that's your home stadium i mean the weather to me it's just a weird weird statement where yeah you don't Oftentimes you don't play very well in, in harsh elements like that. I forget who it was that I recently heard um, announcing a game, but I mean, they, they said it was a former quarterback and they said basically that give me the snow, not the rain. Um, I want to play in that. Not, you know, cause it's just, it's easier to throw the ball in the snow oftentimes than it is in, in either drizzle or rain, that sort of thing. So I don't know, man, I just find that very weird. And I, I think I remember that being a little bit of a talking point in the off season and or shortly after that loss, but Tyler Boyd rehashed that. And I go, it's just a weird comment that you, you say, Oh, well, if it wasn't snowing at our home stadium, we would have won. Well, I mean, what would have happened if the Bengals had all their starting offensive linemen? I don't know. It was Isaiah McKenzie. Who's is no longer playing for the bills, but he said it in May and he was talking about how on a Bengals, podcast, right? Yeah. He was talking with Tyler Dune, who does a great job of covering the bills yeah. in the entire NFL. Um, talking about the offensive attack it would have been different if it wasn't if it wasn't snowing or it would have been more effective if it wasn't snowing and he said the game may have gone differently if it was in a dome which i think there's some logic to that i think the the Mm -hmm. way that the bills receivers kind of operate with Allen a quarterback it wasn't the greatest mix but you're right the optics of a team who plays in buffalo and presumably practices in harsh weather it's not great um, I'm curious who Boyd has heard from who's still on the team, mind you. Again, Isaiah McKenzie plays with the Indianapolis Colts now. He's no longer a Buffalo Bill. I'm curious who he's heard from on the team who still feels that way. But it just leads into both sides just using as much motivation and you know uh, emotion as possible to kind of gear themselves up for a game that I don't think needs any more fanfare. It's, it's a big game for a lot of reasons. <laughs> it's... Odd to me, though, just that comment, because if you are a Buffalo Bills player, look at the teams that you would probably play in the postseason. Let's just say one of four AFC North teams. That's going to be bad weather and outdoors. Your own stadium, bad weather and outdoors. New England Patriots, bad weather outdoors. Even your Jacksonvilles, that could be rainy and wet. The Chiefs. Uh, The Chiefs in Arrowhead, that'll be bad weather. I mean, it's just a – I don't know. It was a statement that I just kind of go – uh, okay, I mean, you're not. I guess you're not wrong, but I, I mean, that's where you play. I those are the elements you have to with, withstand. I don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I imagine there are people on the Browns side who were laughing at Jamar Chase calling them elves even after the loss. You know, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just something that goes. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Anything else before we get on out of here, my friend? 
that's a good mic drop though um considering that that popped up uh, again and it's been on boyd's mind for how many months has it been like six months so uh, again there's a lot riding on this game for a lot of reasons and um, i hope everyone going to the game has a much better experience this time than mm-hmm. last time for sure well for john i'm anthony this has been the orange and black insider there's is there is a huge huge game this sunday at paycor stadium it'll be electric not only the game itself but pregame festivities and everything should be a great one and hope everybody enjoys it again subscribe to our channels via youtube and or on the uh, your favorite audio app go go do that and check out all the shows that we have go give a thumbs up to the cincy jungle facebook page check out cincyjungle.com and of course what john's doing over at a to z sports.com and you got to go get your bets in at DraftKings. go check that out and go back and maybe think about our parlay that we suggested for you we politely suggested it for you take care everybody enjoy the game we'll be back to talk about it this weekend and into next week 